Amen. Okay, let, let me start this, this, uh, this message off today recognizing this. I poked the bear last week and didn't realize what I was stirring up, but so grateful to know that the Spirit of God is not going to leave any of you lost in your hurt and rejection. Can you just, can you just help me just say, thank you, Lord. That though some of us have been, have been suffering under this rejection for years, decades, God will not leave us there. And I was really, I was really trying to get away from this. And Pastor Olg's like, you need to circle back and, and talk on this just a little bit more because God in his grace, Paul and Brenda will tell you, God in his grace is making sure that all of our childhood rejection, all of our childhood trauma, the things we went through as teenagers, young adults, later on, God is going to make sure none of that stays there to hinder us from our forward progression. So what I, what I want to do is, let me, let me start this, with, let, let's just have some fun at first, okay? Because I realize you start talking about this stuff and we get all teary-eyed and angry. And, so let's have some fun. Some, who, let's ask like this, who is the most famous person that has ever rejected you? The most fam- anybody got a famous person that just rejected you? Anybody got something like that? I mean, it would just, they looked you in the eye and just, and you were like, hey, how you doing? I got to get your autograph. And they just walked away. Anyone ever had that happen before? Yeah, yes, Kareem was the most famous person. I'm just kidding, Kareem. No, I love you. No, actually, actually, I told you about wrestling. I loved wrestling. It was Mick Foley, Mankind. Uh, yeah, Cactus Jack. I asked for his autograph. He had a big bag of McDonald's. He said, I ain't got time, kid. Oh, oh, oh Lord. I, I got it. I interrupted him at the wrong time. But he was the most famous person that, that ever rejected me. Let, me. let me rephrase it. Who was the most important person? Not necessarily famous, not necessarily renowned or known, but who's the most important person in your life that rejected you? Ooh. Oh, dang it, pastor's going to, he's starting to dig already. How would you like to be this, this lady? Uh, Bez, give me this real quick. How would you have liked to have been rejected by the Pope? Pope Francis. There she is. She's ready. Grab not mine anointed. Hiya, hiya. Give us a How would you like to know that Pope Francis like get? What? Good Lord, that woman probably waited there for for a, a day, right? Just to be able to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And he said, get off me. That was, that was wild when I, when I first saw it. Let, let me illustrate. Let's illustrate this, okay? When I think of rejection, I can't help but think of this game, basketball. I have, was it, I got a $100 bill for anybody that can make a shot. I got kids in the room, so I got to do this right now. So I got I to do it. I got I to do it right now. I got a, who, what, AJ, come here, AJ, come here, come here, AJ. I got a hundred dollar bill, AJ. Right there, right there. No, 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 no. I ain't gonna make this easy on you, my guy. Life ain't easy. Come on, somebody. There's no consolation prize here. Everybody's a winner. That's not how it works in life. Yeah. I got a hundred dollars for you, my guy. Are you ready? Oh, here's the thing. I'm gonna reject every shot. Somebody else. Somebody else want a hundred dollars. 
Somebody else want $100? I can't see, JJ. Who's right? Who's right? I'm sorry. Paxson, come on, Paxson. $100 to make that shot, bro. Anybody else? Brett right there. You, you, know, you know, Brett right there. He's going for it. Give me that. Good Lord. How are you going to make anything if I keep standing here rejecting everything, every attempt, every effort, every time you try? Isn't this what it feels like dealing with the enemy sometimes? I'm trying to do what's right. I'm trying to earn what's mine. And he keeps standing there rejecting every single one of my attempts. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to make this very clear to you today. It doesn't matter what stands in your way. There's still a God that's going to make sure you get to the end game, that you receive everything he has for you. So you've been rejected. Keep trying. Keep trying. Keep trying. Keep trying. Keep trying. You better give it to him. You better give it to him. Give him that hundo. Give him that hundo. Let everybody see you do it too, because I don't want anyone to think I'm a liar up in this place. Let them see it, Brad, as you put in the offering. Come on, somebody. <laughs> hey, come on. If you have your Bibles, because I've got no more money. Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. This is going to seem a little awkward at first, I think, because most of us know this story from the book of Exodus. But let me give you a quick context. A, man, a deacon named Stephen has been dragged before the religious people in the Sanhedrin. And here's what happens. The Spirit of God comes on him, and he starts preaching this profound message. Listen to me. Right before they reject him and kill him. Since you're still sitting here, clearly none of us have gone through that kind of rejection. Okay. Right before they kill him. And here's what he begins to preach. I want to show you this portion of Acts chapter 7. This is going to be quite a bit, so just come along with me. We'll start in verse 20. It says this. We're going to talk about Moses here. At the time that Moses was born, his par or he was a beautiful baby. Beautiful baby. That was not me. You've heard me share this story before, okay? All the rest of y'all were beautiful babies. That was not me. But Moses was a beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him at home for three months. Now, check this out. I, I, I appreciate the NLT's reading this. When his parents had abandoned him, the King James might say, cast him out. Pharaoh's daughter comes along and adopted him and raised him as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. One day when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the Hebrews, the people of Israel. Verse 24, he saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he came to the man's defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Now look at verse 25. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them. The next four words are killer. But they did not. The very next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting, and he tried to reconcile them by saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside 
and said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he ran. He fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. Verse 30. Fast forward now, 40 years later, in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. Somebody remember this from last month? The God of Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans and have come down to rescue them. Now go, for I am sending you, check it out, back to Egypt. I love verse 35. This is the same Moses they had rejected with the words, who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer. Look at the NLT with me. Look at, it. Look at the last part of it. I know it's really small for you. He was sent to be the ruler and deliverer by whom? By, by whom? Who has anointed you? Who has called you? Who has accepted you? No matter who has rejected you, who? calls you his own. Who put this purpose on your life? God himself. Would you, last week, I, I realized last week I kind of got over the top and I asked you to put somebody in the headlock and bear a hug and my God, I, from what I could see, some of you were just enjoying that moment a little too much. It just turned violent all of a sudden up in here, right? So let's try this a little bit, let's try it a little bit different today, okay? Um, would you gently, just gently push your neighbor forward? Just gently push, gently, gently now, gently now, yeah, gently now. Just gently push your neighbor forward and preach to them my title today. Preach to them my title today. Tell them this. Say, tell them your rejection just ran into divine redirection. Oh, yeah, yes. Your rejection, it just ran into something. It's called redirection. If I, if, I had a, if I had a subtitle for this today, Dylan, here's what I would call my subtitle today. When rejection met retro Reeboks. Let me, let me explain what I mean by that, because it's going to make sense here. For the first 12 years of my life, I only ever wore Walmart brand shoes. Payless branch. Doesn't it feel good to pay less? I had my cheap little plastic shoes, and it didn't matter at all. I, I didn't care. In fact, sh uh, let's show them what it was. Uh, show them that it was just kind of what it looked like, okay? My, my little you know, $25 shoes from Walmart. Now, here's the thing. I know some of you think those look cool right now, but in the 90s, on the east side of Aurora, at Waldo, as a white boy, I nearly got jumped for wearing these things. I had no idea, no idea that my shoes were ugly. I had no idea that my shoes were cheap. I had no idea that they were going to mock me and ridicule me, make fun of me, and reject me because of my shoes. So you know what I did? I ran home and I begged for some better shoes. Now imagine how they felt when I showed up 
give it to him, best with my 1994 Frank Thomas Arsenal Reebok. Come on, somebody. They're still ugly. But it didn't say Walmart on the side. It didn't say Jumpman on the side. It didn't say Skechers. It, it said Reebok. Rejection, meet my retro Reeboks. And all of a sudden, not because of who I was or what I did, but how I looked, I was accepted. Hmm. My God. Show of hands real quick in this room. How many of you have ever experienced the pain of rejection? Keep those hands up for just a moment. You've experienced the pain of rejection. Look around the room. Because either every hand will go up at some point in time today, or, or, or hopefully not today, but at some point in time, you will put that hand up and say, I've experienced it. I've been there. I've gone through it. Because we all have. We, we all have experienced this thing called rejection. So look at me with the, this story just a little bit more. Acts 7. When Moses ran away from Egypt, he was not just running away from a murder charge. He was running away from rejection. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because he knew he was a murderer, and he thought he got away with it. He murdered somebody, didn't run. But when they rejected him, he ran. See? Look at the sequence with me. Moses visits his people. His people rebuff Moses. Moses defends his people. His people dismiss Moses. Moses murders for them, and they pushed him aside. He, he thought that they would understand and accept that he was sent to rescue them. But they misunderstood, and they rejected him. And now his dilemma is this. I can't go to the Hebrews because they've rejected me. And I can't go back home to the Egyptians because I'm a murderer. So Moses is now on the run, rejected by one and running from the other. And Moses runs all the way from Egypt to a place called Midian. Now, I, I love geography. I know some of you about, the, oh, crap, here he goes. So I, I didn't even get a map for this. I wanted to, but I know how some of you are. Every time I get a map out, you're just like, why, pastor? Because I want to know not just where I've been. I want to know where I'm going. And so as, I, as, I, as I, I was looking at the map, I know where clearly Egypt is. Midian no longer exists. So scholars believe he traveled anywhere from 300 to 1,500 miles away. Run, ran away, and I'm not saying he ran the whole time, but he ran that far from Egypt. And, and I guess what I, I, I want you to see is 40 years now, he's been in this place called Midian. And over the course of 40 years, guess what? Moses becomes successful. Moses, he, he builds a career. He's tending livestock, the Bible tells us. He, he, he gets himself a wife. Hey, he gets himself a house. Hey, he's got himself two sons. Look at this. I'm a blessed man now. I'm a successful man now. Somebody say, good for you, Mo. Mo, Mo made it big. Okay, he made something of himself. Look, look what Mo did. He's doing it big time in Midian. Can I ask you this? Have you ever been the man in Midian, but a reject in Egypt? Come on, I worked hard on that one. Come on. How many of us are just like Moses? We want to go to whoever sings our praises the loudest. 
We want to be around the people who clap the hardest for us. I, I, I love hanging out with, with Avery or Sailor because every time I see them do something, no matter how simple or no matter how, how, how just babyish it is, you're, oh, God, it's so awesome. Are we potty training her right now? Okay, potty training. Y'all know how this goes. Potty training them kids. You know you are celebrating Dookie. But the simple fact that it happens, you're just like, yes. We want, and what do we, we run to the people who sometimes will celebrate our dookie. Come on, I'm doing good right now. We want to be around the people who will tell us, you're the greatest thing on this planet. We, we, we don't want to be around the people who tell us, you can do better. You can act better. You, you, you shouldn't be thinking this way. God has better for you. Ooh, it's going to get quiet. Please don't let it. Just say amen and make us believe that you agree with me. The whole point is this. Rejected people love feeling accepted. Even if they have to compromise their integrity and their destiny to get it. They love feeling accepted. We are so attracted to being accepted that we would rather be accepted by a fool than rejected by a friend. I heard this proverb when I was a teenager, and it has stuck with me. I hate it, but it's stuck with me. Proverbs 27.5, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. If you really love me, you're going to look me in my eyes and tell me, stop acting like that. Stop thinking like that. You're better than this. So for 40 years, Moses is successful, successful in Midian. But for 40 years, he's unsuccessful in his mission. Successful in Midian, unsuccessful in my life's mission. And isn't it just like our God to know right where we are and how long we've been hiding. And God shows up one day in the form of a burning bush. Let me clarify for those of you who think I'm talking about a different burning bush. An actual bush in the wilderness that was set on fire. And Moses sees it at first and just turns away because, hey, I'm used to seeing bushes burning in the wilderness. But something's different about this one. It's burning but it's not being consumed. It grabs his attention. Can I propose this question to you today? What has God had to set on fire in your life in order to get your attention? Woo, hallelujah. That's why some of your, your finances are totally jacked up. God is setting on fire so he can get your attention. That's why some of your relationships are, are just a total mess right now. God has set it on fire to get your attention. That's why I tried to get away from this sermon series, and Pastor Olga said, you need to stay on it. Why? God has set me on fire because he's trying to get your attention. So for 40 years, Moses has changed everything about himself. His attire has changed. He's no longer wearing the robes of royalty. His, his occupation and lifestyle has changed. He's no longer living like an Egyptian prince. 
He's now living like a shepherd in the wilderness. Dare I say, his beliefs and religion have changed because the woman he married, Zipporah, her father was a Midianite priest, not a priest after the heart of God, a priest after the false gods of Midian. Has Moses changed everything about himself just to be accepted by the people he's now around? And I want you to see, just because everything has changed about Moses doesn't mean anything has changed about God. I tell you today, just because you change your mind doesn't mean God has changed his mind about you. I need somebody to take a moment and put your hands together. Because I realize you've been a royal screw-up lately, but just because you change your mind doesn't mean God has changed his mind. So what I want to do here for a moment, if you'll allow me to, is that I don't have any, any maps for you, but I am going to wax theological for a moment. Okay? I want to tell you like this, and I'll, I'll, I'll break it down what I mean by this, but the first point I want to give you taking notes is this. We are highly variable. That means changeable. But God is immutable. Immutable. Unchangeable. The same. We are highly variable. Come on, somebody. Pastor Olga will tell you there are those moments where Pastor Jamin is highly variable and volatile. And it's almost always in a car. I can be singing my praise and worship down the road, and then you will just drive like an idiot. And all of a sudden, you just robbed my peace. And, and I am highly variable. When I'm driving, and you shouldn't be, all of a sudden, I just change on you. I just, flip a, I just flip a cookie all of a sudden because I'm highly variable. But aren't you grateful that God is not? Because Pastor Olga will remind me, you, you, pastor, are a servant of the Most High God. Whoo, anybody else get called out on the spot? And anybody else like me, it doesn't help right away. Come on. <laughs> It just doesn't initially help. We are highly variable. We are changeable. We shift. We, we mix it up. But aren't you grateful that God is immutable? Immutable simply put just means this. God will not mutate. He is not an X-man. He does not change on you. He, he does not shift on you. Let me say it like this for the evolutionists in the house. God does not evolve on you. God cannot grow because growth is a mutation. God cannot age because aging is a mutation. And God cannot fail because failure is a genetic mutation. God is, God was, and God always will be. He is immutable. And I'll say like this three quick ways. A, God is immutable in his essence. In his essence. Just simply meaning that his nature will never change. God will never be increased, Tommy. But the good news is God can never be decreased. I need you to know that God will never love you more. But the good news is God can never love you less. 
You need to know that God was perfect when he started this thing, and God will be perfect when he finishes this thing. Time cannot change God because he is eternal. Time will change you, but time cannot change God. Hebrews 11, or 1, 11, was quoting the psalm when he said, creation, heaven, and earth will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothes. You will fold them up like a cloth and discard them like old clothing, but you are always the same. You will live forever. It is nature. Aren't you thankful that God will never change who he is? He's unchangeable in his essence. He's also unchangeable or immutable in his attributes. In his attributes. Meaning, whatever God could do, God can still do. I'm going to speak to the Pentecostals in the room. Because my Lutherans and Presbyterians and Episcopalians and Methodists in the room, you don't believe in miracles anymore. I came to tell you, if God could do it, God can still do it. Thank you, my Pentecostals, who know if God was a healer, God is still a healer. If God was a provider, God is still a provider. If he was a protector, he's still a protector. If he was a deliverer, he's still Still a deliverer. If he was a way maker, he's still a way maker. If he could part the Red Sea, he can still part the Red Sea. If he could break down the walls of Jericho, he can still break down the walls of Jericho. If he could cast out a demon, he can still cast out a demon. And if he could raise the dead back to life, he can still raise the dead back to life. Can I find about 50 people who recognize? He is, he was, and he always will be. His attributes are immutable. They will never waver. They will never falter. They will never diminish. Your attributes will diminish. That's why you wear contacts and readers. That's why you got plastic teeth in your mouth and eventually dentures. Your attributes will diminish. That's why if you're not confident in who you are like my brother Kareem, you will get a hairpiece. Come on, somebody. Or a hat. Or a wig. Or whatever works. You will grow old. God never will. You will gain weight. God never will. You will wake up one day and everything will hurt. You better hear me, teenagers. You better enjoy your youth right now. Because one day you will wake up and... Ow. I had no idea that could hurt so much. You will wake up hurting. God never sleeps nor slumbers, so he never is in pain. 
and when your youthful strength will eventually abandon you, I need you to know that God will remain, here's another theological word, omnipotent. That means he will remain all-powerful. When your strength fades like the, like the, the grass in the field or, or the, the flowers that grow, when it fades, you need to know God will remain omnipotent and all-powerful. Why will he remain omnipotent? Because God is immutable in his attributes. He cannot change. Can you praise him right now that whatever he was, he still is and he always will be? And then, I guess point three to point one is this. God is immutable, unchangeable, unwavering. Hear me now, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. In his counsel. What do I mean by that? That means when God tells you to do something, he means exactly what he says. Miss Autumn, I can't, I can't count anymore how many times people have come to me and said God told me to and then they fill in the blank God told me to date him after I've told you this is the probably the dumbest decision you could ever make you're like but God told me to God told me to just be myself. I thought Jesus died so you could be less like you and more like Yeah. Ooh, I'm getting in trouble here. Yeah. They'll tell me something like this. God is telling me to go to a different church. Okay. Cool. So then why are you so mad at God when none of those things work out for you? If he told you to do it, then he will work it out for you. But if he didn't, oh, Lord, he is immutable in his counsel. That means God doesn't change what he said. If he told you, hear me, hear me, hear me. I know kids got to use the bathroom, but if you don't, then listen. If God told you to give and it will come back to you, I'll say it like I did a minute ago. I got a lot more amends a minute ago, but here it is. If God told you to give, he's still telling you to give because his counsel is immutable. If God told you to preach, he's still telling you to preach. If he told you to forgive, he's still... See, I got a bunch of amens when I was talking about all the things God can do, but, but all of a sudden, when God is telling you to do, now it's going to get quiet on me. When God told you to serve, he's still telling you to serve. And if God told you to shut up, he's still telling you to shut up because he's immutable in his counsel. He says what he means. But here's the good news for us. If God's counsel doesn't change, then your purpose doesn't change either. Somebody better praise him for that right now. You better praise him for that. Knowing when God created you, he had something in mind. Because he will not create you and then change his mind about you. His methods will change, but ultimately his mind does not change. What do I mean by his methods change? Here's what I mean. God used to use the blood of sheep and goats. 
Now God uses just the blood of the lamb, Jesus, and that is more than enough. God used to use the, the furnishings and the, the tabernacle and eventually the temple to house his presence, but that's not what God does anymore. His methods have changed, but his mind hasn't changed because now you are the temple of the Holy Ghost who lives on the inside of you. His mind didn't change about you. Uh, let, let, me, let me maybe explain this in a way that, that everyone will grasp. Does anybody use a GPS like every time you drive somewhere? Almost every time. I, I'm just going to Walmart or Walgreens, or, uh, but I, I'm still punching it in. Because I want to know if there, I, I use Waze. Anybody else use Waze? Because what I love about Waze is it'll usually let me know if there are police where I'm going. That's why I use it. That's the only reason I use it. Because I want to know if I need to slow down. Don't you dare get all righteous on me right now. Come on, somebody. Don't you do it. You little holier than thou. Look at me. You get off there. Get that off your face. Come on. If you knew a cop was there too, you would be coming off that gas pedal. Hello, somebody. Woo, I just got delivered. <laughs> oh, thank God I'm not alone. Here's what I love about GPS. Here's what I love about GPS. I will punch in my coordinates. And Jess, I... I can turn the wrong direction. I can miss my exit. I can even get lost. And you know what's going to happen? It will start rerouting. Why? Because my destination remains. The same. Ooh, somebody better get this in your spirit today. Life will reroute you. People will reroute you. Rejection will reroute you. Even God sometimes, if he has to, will reroute you. But your destination remains the same. If God told you, I'm going to bless you, then when it's all over, you're still going to be blessed. If God says you're healed, when it's all over, you will be healed. If God says you are victorious, when it's all over, you will be victorious. If God told you today, you will, you will be free and liberated, then just know this, no matter how many turns life takes, no matter how many times addiction and Satan and bondage try to pull you in, if God says you will be free, he will get you to your destination of freedom. God has created you for a purpose. So even if I get off track, God never has. He's immutable in his counsel. And this is why many of us who grew up in church can quote Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can we just take just a few seconds and just raise our hands and praise him? No matter how much we change, life changes. I've been rerouted. The destination always remains the same. Amen and amen. All right, I got two more points, and I promise I'll be done. Two more points. I mean, you ain't got nowhere to go. There's no football today. Come on, somebody. The Pro Bowl pass. Then you're the only one watching it. Hello. All right. Number two. Number two. We can trust that God is immutable, even when God is inaudible. 
Has anybody else ever felt like God has given you the silent treatment? Come on, I know I'm not alone in here. You've been praying and crying and fasting and believing. It's like, are you there? Hello? I know you hear me. Why are you being silent? I can't help but think of all the psalms we've been reading as of late. How many of the psalms have you been reading so far? Those who are doing the, the daily reading with us. How many psalms have you read where, where David's like, how long? How long is it going to be like this? My enemies, my problems, how long? I love how Psalm, we'll get to Psalms 83 here in a few weeks, but Psalms 83 verse 1 says this, Oh God, do not be silent. Do not be deaf. Do not be quiet, oh God. I, I'm sure, when I think of the story of Moses, I'm sure that Moses thought to himself when God shows up, I'm sure he thought, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. I've been MIA for 40 years. But what about you, Yahweh? Ain't nobody heard from you in over 400 years. You've been MIA, Yahweh. What, what is, where have you been? 400 years, the Bible tells us, of silence, where God is no longer speaking to the offspring of Abraham. He's silent from what we see in Scripture. This also happens at the end of the new, or the old covenant, and the beginning of the new, at the end of the book of Malachi, and before the, be the beginning of the book of Matthew. You don't see this in your Bible, but we know it historically. 400 years of silence from God. Not another new word is spoken until the word made flesh came and dwelt among us. So here's God, silent for 400 years before the Exodus, silent for 400 years before the new covenant, and I need you to know, what's the point? Every now and then, God gets quiet for a while. But just because God has gotten quiet on you doesn't mean that God has forgotten you. And I love this. God says this to Moses. He says, I have heard the cry of my people. So here's what I want you to do, Moses. Go back. Go back. Go back to Egypt. Go back to my people. Now, you know, if you read this in Exodus, you'll see how much Moses objects. He's like, wait, God, wait, what? Why me? Pick somebody else. Uh, because here's what he's really telling God. God, I can't go back to your people. Your people rejected me. How many of us have felt like we can't go back to church because God's people rejected us? Yeah, I can't go back to, 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 to Egypt. You want me to go back to the places and the spaces and the people where I was, the Bible says his parents abandoned him? The Bible says that he was pushed aside. The Bible says he was completely misunderstood in his purpose. And ultimately, he was rejected. God, why do you want me to go back to that? And verse 35 of Acts 7 ultimately tells us that the same Moses who was once rejected is now the same Moses who is being empowered to return, not because he wants to. He's empowered by God himself. Can I remind you, anytime God tells you to do something you don't want to do, you don't have to do it in your own power. God himself will empower you to do it. And just because people have rejected you doesn't mean that God isn't about to reinstate you. I love this word. God is going to reinstate somebody's confidence today. God is going to reinstate somebody's calling today. God is going to reinstate somebody's purpose. God is going to reinstate somebody's strength today. God's going to reinstate somebody's 
somebody's faith today. If you've ever been rejected, I want you to tell the devil and tell your haters, you can reject me, but God is going to reinstate me and bring me back and put me in front of the same people that told me I wasn't good enough, told me I wasn't smart enough, told me my shoes were too cheap and plastic. He'll put me right back in their faces. I didn't even tell y'all some of this. But some of the same people that rejected me in middle school were now coming to me for prayer in high school. Standing around the flag outside of East Aurora High School at 7 o'clock in the morning, praying for God's forgiveness and power to invade the east side of Aurora. Come on, somebody. What can you do if you would just let God himself empower you? So this immutable God, he says to Moses, he says, look, Moses, you've changed, but my will hasn't changed. Go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh this. Tell Pharaoh this. I said, let my people go. You're not saying this. They're praying for this, but I don't know how to say this. Tell Pharaoh, I said. I wish the next time the devil comes at you, that you would just look him square in his ugly face and tell him, I don't have the power for this. But God said, let my people go. I wish some of you would get a little bit of nerve in your spirit to say, I'm not going to be bound by this trauma and this pain and this rejection any longer. Would you get just a little bit of boldness in your spirit? I can't do this, but God said, let my people go. I came to prophesy to the things that have been holding you in bondage. Let God's people go. I came to speak to the things that have incarcerated you, those things that have worried you, those things that have upset you, those things that have intimidated you and scared you. Not Pastor Jamin, but the Most High Good Shepherd God Almighty is saying, let my people go. Can I find somebody that can help me prophesy to Pharaoh? You've been holding on to me too long. Disease, you've held on to me too long. Generational curses, you've held on to me too long. Sin and deception and rejection, you've held me for too long. But God is saying, let my people go. Somebody prophesied this atmosphere. I sense freedom in this place. I sense liberation in this place. I sense a breakthrough in this place. I sense almighty God restoring and releasing and bringing revival. Let's not just sing it. Let's bring it into this atmosphere. God says, let my people go. And last thing, and I'm done here. Last thing. I need you to know that in the process of liberation, in the process of freedom, all the work that God did to bring the Hebrew people out of Egyptian captivity, I need you to know this. Just like it was for the Hebrews, it is for us. Point three. God doesn't bring us out of captivity just so we can enjoy being free. You better catch this in your spirit today. This is not just about being free to do whatever I want. Because Paul said, I'm, I'm actually permitted to do whatever I want. 
But that doesn't mean I then abuse that freedom. Because just because it's, it's permissible doesn't mean it's beneficial. I'm going to get in all sorts of trouble. You can drink if you want to. It is permissible. But that doesn't make it beneficial. You can cuss if you want to. You're permitted to say whatever you want. But that doesn't make it beneficial. You can sit there during praise and worship with a scowl on your face and act like God isn't worthy. And it is permissible. But that doesn't make it beneficial. You can get high, you can shoot up, you can act any way you want. It's permissible, but that doesn't make it beneficial. Is pastor okay in my sin? God, no. I'm just simply telling you, you are free to do whatever you want. But that freedom is not the reason. It's not the reason God set you free. I want you to see why God set the Hebrew people free. Look with me in Exodus chapter 7, verse 16. The Lord, Moses says to Pharaoh, the Lord has sent me to tell you this. You got it for me, Bess? Let my people go. Not just so I can enjoy freedom. Not just so I can act and say and do whatever I want. The whole reason God puts the work in so they could be free is so that they could wor worship. I just need a handful of believers right now who believe exactly what I'm saying and can agree in your spirits. God didn't set me free just for freedom's sake. God didn't set me free so I can dress and talk and date and act any way I want. God set me free so that I might worship. He put the work in so that I could put the worship, I could put the worship in. Can I find a hundred worshipers in this house here today that want God to know you don't just desire my worship, you deserve my worship. I came to tell Pharaoh, you can't hold down a worshiper. You can keep down a slave. You can even keep down somebody who's been set free. But you cannot hold down a worshiper. Let the worshipers arise in this house today. Throw up your hands. Raise up your voice. And tell Pharaoh, when God says it's time to worship, Pharaoh can't hold me. When God says it's time to worship, no jail cell can hold me. When God says it's time to worship, sin and shame and my past and the devil cannot hold me. The whole point of freedom is not so I can enjoy it. It's so I can come out of what was and into a place called worship. Can I tell you there is nothing more liberating than living your life as a worshiper? You can be a drinker, but there's nothing more liberating than being a worshiper. You can be an alcohol, you can be an abuser, you can be a cheater, you can be a liar, but there's nothing more liberating than being a worshiper. With every hand raised in this room, 
Because what I sense for so many of you is this. Something has been missing in your life. Come on, keep those hands raised. And what's missing in your life is not your passion. What's missing in your life is not your plans. What's missing in your life is certainly not your problems. Can I get an amen? What is missing in your life is God's presence. Oh, yeah. His presence. Because in his presence, I'm not even thinking about what's permissible. I just want to do what's beneficial and just worship. Woo, Jesus. And this is where freedom starts. When you're, when you're no longer just making excuses for your sin and your stupidity and your struggle, but when you say, I want to live in his presence. I want to dwell in his presence. I want to stay in his presence. And that's why God looks at Moses and says, don't even come any closer. Take your sandals off. Take your shoes off. Because the ground that you are standing on is holy ground. Can I tell you today, before God got there, the ground wasn't holy. It was just dirty ground. But the moment God stepped into that place, the presence of a holy God made the ground holy ground. And I came to tell you, God, God doesn't change. But when God shows up, everything else in your atmosphere begins to change. And he will make that ground holy. He will make that heart holy. He will make that marriage holy. He will make your money holy. When God shows up, he will make it holy, holy, holy is the Lord. You know what that means? Holy just simply means there ain't nobody like him. He stands alone all by himself. And this is why you need the presence Ooh, more than you need your plans, more than you need your passion, more than you even need your problems, you need his presence. Here's what I'm going to do at the end of this service. I'm going to close this service right now. And to those of you who came and got what you needed, God bless you. Go out with joy. Go out with peace. Go out with victory. May the spirit of God draw you this week. May you stay in his presence. But for the rest of you who are tired of making your sin permissible, making your problems permissible, to those of you who are tired of justifying things you know that a worshiper just doesn't have time for, and you can sense the only way I can get a breakthrough in this rejection, the only way I can live free from everybody who's abandoned me and wronged me and betrayed me. The only way I can face up rejection once and for all is to say, hey, rejection, don't meet pastor's retro rebox. Rejection, come and meet the resurrection and the life. Come and meet the one who was rejected by all mankind. But he overcame that rejection and overcame the cross and overcame death and overcame the grave. And he is alive forevermore. Rejection has robbed you enough. It is time for that rejection to meet the resurrection and the life. And his name is Jesus.